0: The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor.
1: Doctor. 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 Doctor.
0: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000.
1: And hello again, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. I'm radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and co team physician of the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. As always, we're going to talk about a number of sports injury related topics. We also have our website. Please visit sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're back to get it going right after this on ESPN 1000.
2: AlloSource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from AlloSource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're
0: listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000.
1: Back here on the Saturday morning, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. It is Sports Medicine Weekly. Our producer, board operators, Felix Reyes and Eric Ostrowski. Coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. Dr. Cole, I remember back, uh, boy, this was going back a number of years, Eddie Curry, a um, member of the Chicago Bulls. There was some discussion around genetic testing for heart disease with this young player, wasn't
3: there, back in the day? There was, Steve. And it's interesting that when I think about um, coming on board as an orthopedic surgeon in my first year of being the team physician. That was Bulls, your first year. I yeah, remember That's what we had to deal with. About 80 percent of the year was a cardiac or a heart condition. It was and I didn't know much about it, to be honest. And thankfully, Kathy Weber, who, you know, we've had on the show. She's my partner, primary care sports medicine at Midwest Orthopedics. She's the primary care sports medicine person. But, you know, this is my first year so whatever was going to come up, I was going to be deeply involved with. So I learned more than I ever wanted to know about a condition called HCM or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And it was, it was a really interesting uh, dilemma, uh, and it was well played out in the press, and it was very controversial, and they talked about it. Uh, um, in great detail in various forms, and it actually led to some, some, substantial, to some, some substantial changes in the NBA in the way they manage cardiac and heart conditions, even to the point now where we have an independent board outside of all the team physicians that deals with all the cardiac issues. So we have two or three expert cardiologists, actually, that are as consultants for the NBA on the player side because, you know, we do all these pre-testing, clinic testing, and so forth, and it has a lot less to do with the orthopedic problems you just never want to miss a heart condition. Yeah. Right? So this was a situation where they um, uh, w- there was a possibility that he had an abnormal heart on uh, some testing, and it was suggested that maybe we obtain a genetic test uh, to evaluate this. And the challenge was that you know. To say that there's one gene if that's at that time for example that l- can tell you you're going to have or could have a heart condition you know think about it what if we said we want every athlete to have that test right let's say all the athletes because that's the one condition you never want to miss sure you know sudden death hank gathers you know all these historical awful situations where there's sudden death right yeah, so that's the, the biggest the, really the biggest fear so all the preseason, pre-op pre-play physicals the most important thing is the cardiac issues so Arguably, you could say, well, what if you do this test and it's positive? And what's the, what we say, penetrance of that problem? In other words, does that mean you're going to get the disease or that you have the disease? So there was so much controversy about it, and it became a really uh, heated, almost ethical uh, debate amongst lots and lots of people who had differing opinions, so it was fascinating and I unfortunately, I know uh, way more about that problem than I probably should given, yeah. my, given my day job.
1: Well, when it comes to sports, there are plenty of genetic disorders that uh, everybody hears about At the start of the uh, school year here. Uh, high school sports are in the spotlight, and unfortunately, students with uh, undiagnosed uh, cardiomyopathies uh, inve- in- inevitably uh, make headlines so let 's bring on our next guest, uh, interesting gentleman here. Dr. Cole. Scott Weissman is with us in studio. He is the founder of Chicago Genetic Consultants, talking a little bit about the undiagnosed genetic conditions that plague young athletes. Scott, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. So let me start with this. If you have a student athlete, what are some things to think about and do before their season begins in sports? Well, good morning and thanks for having me. Um,
4: That's a really great question. Um, You know, before the student starts the athletic year, um, there are some guidelines by different medical organizations that suggest that, you know, a child should really go and get a, a good exam by either the pediatrician or a cardiologist that should really focus on the individual's medical history, asking some specific questions about the family history, looking for different cardiac risk factors in the family. So potentially, sudden death under the age of 50, individuals that maybe had a pacemaker uh, implanted under the age of 50, um, anybody that's maybe had a a dissection of the aorta, different family history factors, and then a physical exam, really looking at uh, the individual's um, just physical makeup just to see if there's any red flags for any cardiac risk.
3: All right. So who gets it? In other words, uh, that's a very sort of practical approach to it but how does someone know that they need to go to the next level and say I've got to get my son or daughter tested in some way to make sure they're not at risk or they don't have this problem
4: so if something were to show up on the physical exam or within the family history that was a potential red flag so let's say there was an unexplained young cardiac death in um, an aunt or an uncle of that child then that may warrant taking that individual to the next step to having a formal evaluation to seeing if there may be an underlying hereditary cardiac issue in the family
3: all right so let's use let's play off that one because that sounds a lot like what we had to deal with you know in sure. around 2005. Um, if there's a so, th- we use the family history as the number one index for risk, uh, and it's interesting. We can, in some spe- respects we're not even allowed to ask about it because of HIPAA issues. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but um, let's say the athlete says, "Look, I have an aunt or an aunt. let's say I have a, they had a father, or mother. Let's just bring it close to home that died uh, suddenly." And the first thing we're thinking as physicians is that more likely than not this was a cardiac issue, right? Um, Then they could send them to you that would they would provide that history and I imagine you would do a blood test, right? correct and, and
4: I think typically before they'd even get to me if there was that red flag uh, they may be sent to a cardiologist for an EKG or an echocardiogram right to actually well is that see. true
3: is that is that would it go to that level where they would do some physiologic test just because of the family history at yeah. that level
4: it, it, it depends it depends on the level of threshold most yeah. of the guidelines um, don't specifically state that it absolutely should be done right. Um, right but let's say let's say it wasn't done and somebody okay. were to come and, and see me so what I would do is really sit down with the individual and map out the entire family history so I'd ask about cardiac disease and aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, and really map things out.
3: Because if you see one relative versus many in a pattern, you're more likely to think that this is a potential genetic or heritable trait, as we say.
4: Exactly. And and what's, I think, even more difficult is that um, with some of these cardiac conditions, The penetrance, so the likelihood that you're going to develop the disease, is not consistent. Sometimes it can onset in the teens or 20s, and other times it may not show up until the 50s or 60s in some individuals. So even though you may not see a lot of it, it doesn't mean it's not there.
1: Visiting with Scott Weissman, he's in studio with us. I'm Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole alongside. It is Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Scott is the founder of Chicago Genetic Consultants, talking about undiagnosed genetic conditions.
3: So, so, all right, so I want to carry, carry this forward. So if you have no other person in the family, that's had it, are you using this information to say, should I or should I not get a genetic test? Or are you using it to say, this is the genetic test I should get, do you follow me? Yeah,
4: absolutely, so again, depending upon the strength of the family history, it may come down with a recommendation, yes, you should consider testing, or no, I don't think you need it. Okay. Let's say it, it comes to where I do think you need the genetic test. So then, it, then it's a discussion of, okay, what's the most likely condition, and what are the genes that we can test for to identify whether or not you're at risk of having this cardiac condition. We'll then talk about what it means to have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, dilated cardiomyopathy, long QT, some of these different hereditary cardiac conditions. What it means for your health, what it would mean for the family, and then how it impacts you in terms of what kind of treatment is going to happen. So, are you so gonna
3: sorry to interrupt. So, so, so aren't there situations where they're like, "Look, I don't want to know," or even if my family history doesn't suggest it, I want to know. And then, how do you t- like, how do you counsel them on that issue? They say, "Okay, you know what? I only had a mother die." of a cardiac or heart condition they're gonna and you're gonna say well maybe you got to get the test what do they do with a negative result does that mean they won't get the disease So let's start with that. Does that mean they won't get it or they still could get it despite having a negative genetic test? They
4: still could get it. So for all these genetic conditions that can cause cardiac disease, the genetic testing is not 100%. Right. Um, So a negative test does not completely rule it out. And in those situations where there is a strong family history and the the genetic test is negative, it still may warrant um, cardiac evaluation every two years, three years, five years, depending upon what the condition is. All right. So
3: similarly, if they get a positive test, that doesn't mean they're precluded from sport. It just means that they need to be monitored more closely. Exactly. Because there'll be objective findings like X or MRI or echocardiogram or other things that can track whether or not they're getting the condition. So now they're on the radar to say, let's monitor you carefully so that we can identify if you get this condition. Is that fair to say?
4: That's, that's very fair to say.
3: It's not so, that you yeah. would ever say you can't participate in sports because the genetic test is positive, unless they had some borderline condition already, right? Like do people use it to say, hey, I don't know, you might or you might not have this condition, let's get the test, and then they make a decision of, take them out of participation if the test comes back positive?
4: So they, what the recommendations say from the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology is that if the genetic test is positive and the individual has no signs or symptoms of the disorder, it does not preclude them from participating in athletics. But if they start doing an evaluation and they have an abnormal EKG or echocardiogram and, and um, echocardi, um, echo, then that may preclude them from from participating so if they manifest if they're actually manifesting the disease and it was undiagnosed that usually may be a red flag from them from participating
1: again our guest is scott weissman founder of chicago genetic consultants this is sports medicine weekly and uh i understand uh going to the website um scott that it's an easy test we say i know you guys uh, said it this way easy test with complex uh, results right yeah. right so the, the test is a very simple blood test or even spitting
4: into a simple tube to collect the dna the real challenge comes in interpreting the test results because the test results aren't always positive or negative sometimes the results can come back where a genetic variation was found but it's not clear whether or not that variation is actually going to cause the disease of interest that you're testing for. And so then it requires even more interpretation of what does that inconclusive result mean within the context of the family history. So it's really important to have that conversation with patients before they do genetic testing to make sure they really understand what the information can tell them because it's not always black and white
3: when it when it's i, I can understand that uh, just switching gears a little bit a lot of people might be interested in this in the context of say family planning right they might make decisions about children based upon how likely it is for a child to, to get a disease that the parents might have i imagine that's a big part of your your practice is absolutely that fair to say? that's very fair to say what about the the other situation where it's sort of i always think about like i, I do or i don't want to know like do i want to know that I have a, uh, a risk of getting Alzheimer's or Parkinson's because what am I going to do differently if I do know 'm trying how do you deal with those situations where you can't, you, you might have it but you're not going to do anything different and now you've got to live your life knowing that you've got that theoretical risk that it's gonna happen. Yep,
4: yeah, that's really the importance of the pretest discussion, the pretest counseling, so that we really have that discussion about how the information may impact your life. Because yes, for some conditions, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, there's not a lot you can do to prevent the disease, but some people may use it for career planning, financial planning, to make sure they get all their insurance in place or their family's taken yeah. care of if they're gonna get it. that disease. So Got for it. some people, it's about that long-term planning for most people, if they don't really feel like they're going to act upon the information, they're not going to come and see me. They're not yeah. going to want to be tested.
1: Right. Interesting. though. one of the takeaways, though, Dr. Cole, uh, it's got, and uh, interesting that you can meet with a counselor before testing. And never knew that was possible, right? Well, I, I think mean, it's, I would
3: say it's imperative. You get these, if you ever listen to, uh, listen to Howard Stern, sometimes they've got this I think it's called 23andMe or something like that. I mean, it's insane, you know. Oh, I just got my test results back. I'm I'm a coffee drinker. I love coffee. <laughs> I mean, how useful is that, you know? So I, it's fascinating because you can send, you can take a saliva or a sample from the inner, you know inner side of your your mouth. And send it off and you'll get some result that you're related to, you know, a Viking from five thousand years ago. I mean, is that useful? Is that a business model? And, and that's actually you know? a really
4: good point because the the twenty three to me, the genetic testing companies that you can actually order the kit to your home and send yeah. it off yourself. That's not going to really tell you whether you have a high risk for cardiac disease. It's looking at other risk factors that may say your risk of, let's say, coronary artery disease is a little bit higher and you should change your diet or lifestyle, but it's not really going to get at kind of sudden early death in families. Yeah, no, I
3: would say that this is something that you absolutely should have counseling for because people – people don't know what to do with the information. And the resultant behavior, after you learn something like that, you never know where people are going to go with it. I, was, I think it's a dangerous territory that people can take it in their own hands without proper counseling because I don't think a company, for example, outside of that is going to be equipped to actually teach someone what how to how to use that information. You know? All righty.
1: Good stuff. Uh, Scott Weissman, the founder of Chicago Genetic Consultants. Uh, The website is chicagogenetics.com, and you're also on Twitter, at Chicago Genetics. Great stuff, Scott. Interesting uh, story to tell, and um, appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me this morning. All right. Back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages. On ESPN Radio.
0: Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do.
5: That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy... Ow! That's not good. ...or having an accident... At work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what...
6: Probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance, scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget.
0: To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000.
1: That proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. You can follow us on Twitter at SMWHome as the Sports Medicine Weekly. And we also have a Facebook page as well. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Dr. Cole, question for you. What's new with the non-surgical treatment
3: of arthritis? Well, Steve, you know, that generally falls in this category of what we say are quote biologics and what that means is uh, a whole host of possibilities that can sort of trick our bodies into having less inflammation or swelling and uh, less pain and hopefully more function. That's sort of like the broad strokes of where we're heading and we've talked a lot about stem cells which sort of fit into that category. Um, So it's less about necessarily regenerating or rebuilding something, which a lot of people would love to hear and know and think that that's what we do, but rather another method to control symptoms, which in the end, when you think about it, you know, surgery for, for arthritis, we can replace a joint, right? And the whole reason we do it is to eliminate the patient's symptoms. So all we're really trying to do is reduce symptoms, so and improve function. Sure. So anything that can do that, whether it's surgery or non-surgery, is is is, is fair game. So I, what we're all very interested in, and we've talked about before, are finding solutions in this case in the area of biologics to help treat the symptoms and avoid patients uh, having the necessity to have surgery.
1: Let's bring on our next guest, uh, Dr. Dr. Adam Yankee. He is a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, and also he's the head team physician for the Windy City Bulls. That's our uh, G League team. They used to call D League. Do you know that, the developmental league? Right, developmental league, and now it's the uh, G League, which is interesting. Is that for Gatorade? Yeah, they're the big sponsor, so it's called the G League. Interesting stuff. And let's uh, bring on Doctor Yankee. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us, Doc. And uh, first question that comes to mind with the new research findings in the field of uh, um, biologics, stem cell therapy to treat orthopedic injuries seems to be. Big buzzwords right now. Doctor Cole and I talk about it almost every show. Now, what is exactly? What is it exactly? And are you using the type of this type of treatment in your patients?
7: Yeah, it's a great question, and it certainly is a hot topic. Um, I think that the stuff that Doctor Cole was mentioning, first of all, is extremely important. And uh, some of the reasons why we need these treatments to begin with is not just because. Uh, that not everybody needs a knee replacement. Even some patients who get knee replacements aren't satisfied. So the failure rate of the implant is uh, very low, but still the residual pain and discomfort is still there. And a lot of these patients won't benefit from a simple surgery like an arthroscopy either. So there's definitely a gap and a need here. Uh, When we're using stem cells, we really try to be careful with what we're calling stem cell treatment versus what's a biologic treatment. And they're really completely different. Um, a stem, or at least in the way that we should be talking about them. So stem cells are actually cells that are pluripotent or multipotent. That means that they can differentiate and turn into other different cell types. And other common biologic injections such as PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, or even some other amniotic products really are not true stem cell injections. So The only thing that I feel really comfortable calling a stem cell that we use would be something like BMAC, which is a bone marrow aspirate. And a lot of that is actually done in the operating room. So to really strictly answer your question, uh, we don't really do a lot of outpatient stem cell injections, but we do do use some other biologic treatments.
3: Adam, you know, one of the things that comes up, and you and I are constantly trying to uh, uh, clarify, is this concept of regeneration. So we use the term biologics. We talk about symptoms. Uh, We're not necessarily talking about modifying the disease, but would love to be in that space. But even uh, less clear is this concept of regeneration or regenerative therapies. And I think that's one of the most misleading concepts that you and I, at least in the space of orthopedics, have to deal with. I think there clearly are places where that could be a relevant concept. But in orthopedics, are we really regenerating anything in most of the things that we do today in the area of biologics?
7: Is there anything that's regenerative, you're asking?
3: Yeah, I mean, when when patients ask that, I mean, that's really what they want. They want us to rewind the clock and to to their pre-injury or disease state, and unfortunately, I think we generally don't have the capability to do that in any of our existing spaces.
7: Yeah, yeah, I would really agree with that. I mean, um, the thing is there's a few sentinel studies that I know you're aware of that usually are not from the U.S. that have shown uh, miraculous regeneration of cartilage and arthritic knees and uh, these things really haven't been reproduced by multiple studies in a really well-controlled manner. And so that's definitely how I still describe it to patients. You know, when we do anything regenerative at best, it's when we do surgical work on small focal defects or small focal issues where there's not widespread disease. And it's certainly not just an injection uh, where, when we're trying to grow cartilage back in that setting. And we're still pretty limited even with that, uh, though it's farther along than we were 20 years ago.
1: Our guest is Dr. Adam Yankee, sports medicine orthopedic surgeon, head team physician for the Windy City Bulls. This is Sports Medicine Weekly, and uh, uh, Dr. Yankee, let me also ask you: Are there other non-surgical biologic therapies that you're using?
7: Yeah, so that uh, it really are is uh, the other ones that I was talking about briefly. So uh, PRP is probably the one that I am using the most, which is platelet-rich plasma. Uh, That's the patient's own blood spun down. You can separate out uh, the different cells that are in there and the platelets. So uh, white blood cells and platelets, there's also growth factors in that. Um, That's one of the two that I probably use the most along with some amniotic products, which are a little bit uh, newer, and we're trying to learn more about those. So as these different products become available, uh, our approach has always been to try to approach it scientifically, figure out really what the contents of what we're injecting is and what really effect should they be able to have. And the amniotic fluid seems to have a lot of hyaluronic acid in it, which is the same thing as what people refer to as a gel injection. And it's got a really large form of that molecule, which seems to be the best version of the anti-inflammatory part of hyaluronic acid. So the bigger the molecule it is, the more of an anti-inflammatory it is. Also has some other positive growth factors in it, Um, But I would say that there's very few scenarios where I go straight to those as a primary treatment. And so most of the time we're doing either anti-inflammatories by mouth, steroid uh, injections, or regular gel injections. And certainly once those have failed, um, sometimes biologics are the next best option if we're trying to avoid surgery.
1: You know, it's funny because I know Dr. Cohen and I have touched on this in the past, but uh, the first time I ever heard of amniotic fluid was uh, the birth of my two boys, right? And where are you guys <laughs> getting it from? Cause yeah. It's always during, uh, you know, it's the birth, right? And and it's where are you getting it from then from uh, someone other than a, uh, a new mom? <laughs> uh,
7: that is who it's coming from. So it comes from uh, most most companies harvest from healthy elective C-sections where the amniotic fluid as well as the amniotic membrane is harvested, it's screened, and then it's processed for uh, delivery and storage. And so um, it's not a synthetically produced uh, material at this stage. It's truly what you would call an allograft, where it's somebody else's tissue that you're utilizing.
1: Interesting stuff. Finally, uh, what should listeners be aware of uh, in in terms of biologic uh, therapies?
7: I think that the stuff that we were hitting on in the beginning is really the most important. Uh, These have a lot of hopeful uh, promise, uh, but we should always approach it realistically, and it should always be described to patients the way that we currently understand the information about them, which is, in a nutshell, what Dr. Cole was mentioning. Uh, We have no true regenerative injections. Everything is to, to control symptoms. It's always important to know that, especially in the setting of something like arthritis, There's a lot of people out there with painless arthritis, so we don't have to fix the disease on x-ray. We just need to fix how people feel the disease and what their sensations are. And that's really what we're aiming at, And I do think that um, a cell component in general to injections is probably better than ones that are just growth factors because the half-life of those means that eventually they'll be cleared from within the joint. And so after a few days, that injection has completely dissipated. Whereas a cell component, if it's able to get into the lining of the joint, it may be able to stay for a longer period of time. And so I would just say that I personally think that the cell-based therapies, that doesn't always mean stem cells, but anything with cells in general, uh, it may have more promise in the future, and we're going to continue to look into that.
1: He's a young genius, isn't he, Dr. Cole? That's why he's my partner. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Dr. Adam Yankee. I've had him on my Bulls pregame shows, and uh, he does a great job. Thank Absolutely. you, Dr. Yankee. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, back with more of our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, after these messages. On ESPN Radio.
5: That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. That's not good. Or having an accident at work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody.
0: Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state of the art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations, with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report Rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do.
6: Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkins' 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods Cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at Karen dot com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N dot com.
2: AlloSource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from AlloSource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org.
6: I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what Probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I looked forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To
0: learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. That's all the time we have for this edition
1: of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator and producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 8.30 for another edition of Sports
0: Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement.
2: The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.